Hey folks, welcome to the Coastal Appalachian Ventures Podcast. Before we jump into this episode, I want to thank the great team at Bay Flats Lodge in Seadrift, Texas. Chris, Deb, Randy, TJ, Kevin, Harold, Jason, and Steven, and all the staff are top-notch grade A professionals that went out of their way to set us up and record a couple of podcasts. If you want to enjoy some five-star lodging, fine dining, great company, and excellent fishing, I highly recommend that you give Bay Flats Lodge a call or look them up online or on social media at Bay Flats Lodge. You will not be disappointed. In this episode, John Blaha and I sit down with Captains Harold Dworczyk, Jason Wagnerfer, and Stephen Bolt to talk about guide life at Bay Flats Lodge. They share some great information on what it takes to be a guide and give us their history on how they got into the business. Before we get rolling here, I want to apologize in advance for the audio quality in this episode. I hope that it doesn't take away from the valuable information that the guides were able to share during this conversation. All right, here we go with episode 24, So You Want to Be a Guide? We're at Bay Flats Lodge, Seadrift, Texas. Really appreciate Bay Flats for hosting us. This is really special. And um, we're fortunate enough to have a few of the guides here at Bay Flats to join us. And we wanted to talk about what it takes to be a fishing guide. So let's go around the room and do some introductions. Uh, I'm Shane with CCA. We've got John Blaha and Steve, Jason, and Harold. So John, why don't you start us off with introducing yourself now. All right, glad to be here today. It's always a great opportunity to visit with the guides up and down the coast and get their different perspectives, not only on the business, but the fishery and the habitat and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I'm assistant director with CCA Texas and also uh, director of our habitat program, working hand in hand with Building Conservation Trust, which we're going to visit with those guys tomorrow along with uh, Chris. So happy to be here. Steve? Yeah, uh, Steve Bolt from Victoria, Texas, just down the road. And this is going to be pretty interesting. Never had to do this before. I think it'll be fun. But grew up fishing here. My grandfather fished here. My dad fished here. And I, they started taking me on the boat when I was about one years old out here. So been doing it ever since? I mean, I've been away, you know, from being in the Navy and then working offshore, underwater welding and stuff. But came right back to it sooner or later. Awesome. And ever since I was little, I always said I wanted to be a guide. So really? Just made it happen. You early on. Yep. Just made it happen. <laughs> Lucky guy. <laughs> um, Jason Wagonfer. Uh, I grew up in Central Texas in Blanco, uh, and then eventually went to Southwest Texas there in San Marcos and lived there for several years. Even worked uh, for a building supply company there uh, for about six years until I uh, got on with the lodge in in '07 when they built the the newest facility here, and been with them ever since. Uh, almost 11 years now. So got into fishing. Not a real kind of like Steve, early age granddad. My granddad actually guided so uh, down at Port Mansfield. So those were the earliest, you know, memories for me fishing, and just got hooked on the saltwater, you know, trout, redfish bug, and eventually this worked out. So <laughs> it was it was a long road to get there, but you know, I think we all have different stories of how yeah. mm-hmm. you know the guiding thing works. Mm-hmm. So that's so did your granddad or anybody in your family ever say, "Don't do it." Or yes, my like granddad that. said, "Don't do it." <laughs> He's like, don't be a fishing guide. You know, and the main thing, you know, he, re- he encouraged going to college and that stuff, just like my folks did. And, but in high school, I mean, I was kind of like Steve. I wanted to, that's what I wanted to do. Was I was already, anytime we went to the coast, I was running the boat most of the time, you know, and starting as a, I was probably 12, 13 years old. And dad was like, go, <laughs> you know, I was running the boat. And, but yeah, my granddad, of course, he was kind of grumpy and you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. <laughs> but 
I guess it didn't sink in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Harold. Harold Rodzik, uh grew up in Yorktown, Texas. And um, similar to Jason, but a few years earlier, went to Southwest Texas as well, got a degree in education, coached for 18 years, and uh, moved back to Yorktown uh, in about 2000, 99, 2000. Met Chris, I needed to supplement a four teacher salary <laughs> and uh, raising two girls at the time and and uh, and fished all the time grew up fishing coming down the coast same thing dad took us um one of five kids and we always went to the coast to fish he taught us you know how to fish and, and those kinds of things and so it, it just hooked it was just a passion of mine so uh met chris just asked him you need another guide and that was prior to even prior to the lodge opening up and um got out of teaching and coaching a few years later and been here ever since. Yeah, I was going to ask, how long was that transition? Uh, four or five years. It's kind of tough because uh, I was raising two daughters. And so kind of wanted to be around a little bit little bit longer, yeah. especially as I got a little bit older and stuff. And so, But it's been, uh, I wouldn't change anything for the world. It's been good. So how many years total? I've been here 17. 17. Yes. So 17. 11. 11. I've been here for eight years and guided for 15, roughly 14, 15 years. Wow. You got like 40 years of experience right Plus John, John said he won't admit it, but he's he's a uh, he's not a guy, but he does enough takes enough people fishing to be. Hey, he's hiring. You're hiring, aren't you? Always. Exactly. Might be my retirement job. There you go. Yeah. You'll love it. <laughs> Things don't work out for you for C at CCA. <laughs> well, let's. Um, so for the Bay Flats guys, let's just kind of walk through your y'all y'all hit on it a little bit. Just but go it, go through your path to becoming becoming a guy you know what are the you know just the evolution of your life and how you got to, to where you are today well for me it's kind of an interesting story I guess it's um like I said when I was little I always said I wanted to be a guide and then after high school I never liked school went to public or private school my whole life so I decided to go in the navy instead so I did that and then then I got out of that and then I went to college for a year and a half figure out I still hated school so <laughs> I was like now what so then I got an underwater welping did that for about nine years and I started part-time guiding during that and I got lucky that I knew a guy that was a guide in Port Connor and I got my captain's license and he said hey I'll do offshore just run one of my boats for me and I'll run the other one and I was like Psh. you know I didn't have to pay for gas or anything I just took his boat and we went fishing so I didn't really like the offshore so much because I always fished in the bay but it was a good start and then from there I just kind of fell into it because he knew another guide at another lodge over here in Sea Drift and I started talking to him and I started running with him and then and then I wanted more yeah. and they weren't keeping me I didn't get to fish as much as I wanted to and then luckily I contacted him Chris one day and yeah you need another guy yeah okay then slid right in so but the whole reason why I got into guiding too is after offshore I started I worked in oil field doing inspection on drill pipe casing and tubing and my dad worked at a chemical plant and Towards the, he was getting ready to retire and he couldn't stand working there. He got, he got tired of doing the same thing over and over and over again. And he had like two or three months left to retirement, drops dead. Mm. And I was like, huh. And then that's when I kind of just sat there and said, you know what? I'm just going to do what I want to do. And I just went for it and said, whatever, I'm going to do it. Yeah, that's a great point. And I just drove up and did it. Yeah, uh, and I worked for Dow for 14 years. That's and, and I was like, something you know i didn't like the political climate things that were going on out there and finally hey, that's exactly it. this kind of, this still kind of came out of the blue at me and i kind of went back and forth for about a month and a half and finally it's like i'm gonna do this and it, it felt like somebody tried to load a rock off yeah. of me you know and, and of course you know everybody was like oh you, you don't want to do that you don't i mean even the guides at the lodges i was talking to were telling me oh you don't want to do that you don't want to do it and i was like yeah no i do and i just just forget it. i'm gonna do it yeah exactly and, follow your heart yeah and like i said it fortunate that you know i met chris and 
uh, the other guy I worked for in another lodge and the guy in Port Connor I worked for, it just I just kind of fell into it and just everything clicked and it worked out for me. I got lucky. So it wasn't quite that hard of a road for me. I just kind of <laughs> fell into it. Made it happen. What about you, Jason? Well, uh, like I said, I was uh, working for, a, it was McCoy's Building Supply there in San Marcos, worked at their corporate office and, you know, yeah, great, great job for me at the time. I was just out of school. And I've done it for say six or seven years, and uh, just the events of my life at the time, and the opportunity kind of arose for me with Chris. Uh, you know, I was one of those that sat behind the computer a lot in my job, and I was looking at their fishing reports every day. You know, <laughs> that was my getaway. Mm-hmm. And I was a weekend fisherman and this and that. But like I said, I always had that in the back of my head that I would like to try it, at least do it. And uh, we were just dating at the time, but my wife now, uh, we came down and talked to Chris and Deb. It was, I think, about February of of 07 when that lodge was being built. And uh, we had a probably two-hour-long conversation just sat there, and we were actually just going to Rockport to go fishing, so we stopped through and talked to them. And he said, uh, and I already had my captain's license. I had done it the summer before just to do it, you know. And uh, so he said, well, you know, we'll set you up with a couple of trips on the weekends when you can go this, you know, late winter and spring and see what you think and we'll see what the customers say and this and that. And I went with, I think I went with Harold and TJ a couple of times a beforehand. And kind of, what's that? It was like a working interview. It kind of was, but it, it wasn't it, like any kind of other working <laughs> interview. It's more just yeah. why do you want to do it? You know, what's your interest? Uh, where do you, I, mean, I guess one of the questions that you would see in a interview was where you want to see yourself in five years kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I think my response at the time was, you know, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to have a lodge too, or have something similar. And with my my granddad <laughs> having been in Port Mansfield, <laughs> I was kind of always wanting to get back there, you know. But I've kind of come to realize over time that that, you know, it is just so far away from anything. And we have a family now, and just there is no way to have, you know, yeah. to raise that family in that area. So this has really been, you know, it's worked out well. Uh, like I said we. We talked, and I did. I ran a couple trips, uh, and by May, I was, I think, I had already bought a house down here and just kind of jumped off the cliff, you know, and yeah. and it was just, I think there was only five or six of us at the time, and this place was going like this, and it was a crash course for me as far as learning to guide, you know. I had taken people fishing, gone with mostly buddies all the time, so it was to, to learn to hold somebody's hand, to show them, you know, how to use bait, which I hadn't used bait a whole lot growing up. And in I, some cases, this is a fishing pole. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. What hand do you crank with? Yeah, and exactly. you, get the, you get the blank stare, you know. Yeah. like. So, yeah, I mean, it was, by the end of that summer, I was probably maybe second-guessing myself. <laughs> you know, I, you know, we're running, you know, probably 20 to 25 days a month, and you're like, oh, my gosh, getting up at 3 o'clock every morning and in the heat of that summer. and But, you know, here we are 11 years later, and like Harold said, probably wouldn't change it for nope. anything. It's, uh, people always ask, you know, what, how do you how do you like it? And I was like, well, it's better than a real job. That's you know? like better than a real job. <laughs> it really is. I mean, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of ex- expected of you, you know, and you know, if you've got people every day, and you know, I think over 11 years, I may have missed. I, I wouldn't say five days for being sick or, or anything like that. It's just when you doing what you love you know you hear it all the time it's it's not work i guess so it's a lot easier to get up and do it when yeah. you're doing it yeah you really look forward to it most times <laughs> yeah <laughs> you look out the window it's blowing 35 or it's you know exactly. you're going duck hunting and it's blowing 30 out of the north and raining and 
That's why you make the big bucks. Yeah. <laughs> 36 degrees. <laughs> yeah. So. Is, is it hard at first when, you know, when you're first starting a guy? Because I assume every trip you're taking is almost – the people are almost complete strangers to you. You don't have yeah. repeat clients at that point in time in your career. So you mentioned that was – you were kind of second-guessing your decision. Was that, yeah. was that part of it? Because well, it took a couple of years for me just uh, – you know, you always have the mentality of, well, I know how to I know how to fish, you know. but And you get some folks on the boat that are – they're very novice. I mean, like they were saying, what what – hand do you reel with and mm-hmm. you just you learn over time that you, you've got to ask these questions and are you do you feel comfortable casting i mean or if you watch them cast a couple of times it's like mm-hmm. let me help you with that yeah. you know or else if not cast for them but really give them some tips as far as how to cast and after a couple of times you're like oh okay you got to get it to there <laughs> you know so i wish you say it's like throwing a softball just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just released yep same way so many analogies. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Over the top, no sideline. No side <laughs> yes. Uh, here we, yeah. Have you even tried other languages, too? Yeah. Another guy standing behind you most mm-hmm. of the time. <laughs> so let's hear Harold's story. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Real similar. I, you know, obviously, just uh, growing up and fishing all the time, taking buddies, you know, every other weekend and doing that kind of thing and, and then just um, just wanting to do wanting to do more. And uh, Chris and I have a – we've known each other for a long time and it's really unique the way I actually met him, um, he does this on his, on his website, he gives away fishing trips. So growing up, I came to the coast all the time. We fished and never used a guy in my life. And uh, so he's got this little contest, and they give away a free fishing trip. And all you got to do is give him a good reason why you deserve it. So he ran it for like a couple weeks or whatever it was. So I waited like the last day and submitted mine because I figured that would be fresh. <laughs> <laughs> and I submitted it on behalf of my dad. Because that's who you know took me fishing all the time. Of course, they had to know what a computer is or anything. So I submitted on that app, and they picked it. I was like, awesome! All right, we're gonna go fishing. So Dad and uh, my brother and myself, <coughs> we actually went with uh, TJ, and uh, had a great time. And that's how we kind of first met. And uh, then it was ran into him at the dock one time. And I was taking Dad fishing again, and so I talked a little bit there again. And then I was moving back to where Yorktown, where I grew up. And uh, just, I just kind of follow the lines, and I'm just like, going to fill in, you know, summertime, the weekends at first. Kind of like Jason said, I want to see how this goes. And uh, it was going well. I'm like, okay, I knew this is what I wanted to do in the first place. And so then as his business grew from just a guide service, the lodge that was about a mile from here to this facility now, just it just it just kept going, and there were just more opportunities. And that's, again, you're following your passion, what you love to do. And so it's not work. Work's a four-letter word. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, mm-hmm. you don't mind getting up. I'm similar to Jason. I, I can't. I can count the days I missed on one hand. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you that in education mm-hmm. business because there's a lot. Of <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you teachers are. Yeah, substitute exactly. And so it just it just fit for me. It really did. And uh, and I I enjoy that fact of uh, having new people and stuff all the time and and finding about finding things out about them and you know people love to enjoy talking about themselves and their families. It just before you know it. You glance at your watch, and the day passes by so quickly. It may start early in the morning for all of us, mm-hmm. but as far as uh, doing something you love to do is, and making a living out of it, just, you just can't beat that. So, it was, again, it, to me it seemed like it would be difficult to leave the perceived security of, of a state job, your, you know, deep, you know, teachers, and retirement, and insurance, and you know, just that, right. knowing that you had um, something to fall back on. Right. So... Is that it, not an issue? No, it's, it's similar like Steve had mentioned. You, you only get one shot mm-hmm. at, at doing things. And I've had, had the experiences of the, you want to call it the real world, you know, right. education business or whatever. And, 
and, uh, and the political side of those things. Like, you know, that's just not my cup of tea. I'd rather be out here, kind of in charge. You're on your mm -hmm. boat, and you're, you're calling all the shots for that day. And it's, that's where I want to be. So that really didn't come into play. Well, that and also, you know, the same. some confidence in yourself certainly doesn't hurt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing, too, it's not like we don't have something to fall back on anyway, because like I said, I knew if for whatever reason it didn't work out, I can just go back offshore and start diving again, or I can go back right. in the oil field, and I'm sure, you know, he could go back to teaching, which, oof. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, married, I'm, I'm married to a teacher, so, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, he, we all had something, so it wasn't like we were just throwing ourselves out there going, well, if this doesn't work, then I'm yeah, going to sink, you know, I mean, we have, we have some other yeah, we had something we could do, but, oh, yeah, you got to have something to fall back on if you're going to do this job, because yeah. all it takes is one hurricane, and you, yeah. you might be done for six months, seven months. I mean, who knows? A year. Yeah. So, you better have something else you can do. What do y'all? What do y'all view your role as a as a guy? Because you could you could to me it seems like you could cater as a guy, as an entertainer, as as a uh, an educator. All um, of it. Yeah, it's all the so, above so know, far. Training someone about the resource. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> Safety officer. I mean, um, kind of walk through some of the, you know the ins and outs of what you're doing on the boat to show your customers a good time and then teach them about the resource and, and uh, you know, about angling. That's a, that's a big question to hit on. It's a lot of information that goes into that. I mean, I guess that's hard to kind of answer that in a simple summary. Because, I mean, a lot of people think, and we hear it all the time with people on our boat, oh, it must be nice to be a guy. You just go fishing every day. I mean, we're not just jumping on a boat with our buddies and going fishing. I mean, we're waking up, you know, two hours, three hours before it's time to leave in order to get bait, gas, ice, food, drinks, everything ready. And the other thing, too, with it is, I mean, you don't know who you have most times. I mean, yeah, we have repeat people, and we know who they are, but, you know, we get new people all the time, and we don't know what their level is. So you just got to fill them. You got to be good at filling people out, you know. And, you know, you got to learn what you can say, how much you can joke with somebody. I mean, there's a lot of things you got to learn about these people. And I don't really know how to explain how you would. It's just something you can either do or you can't. Because, I mean, I've seen some guys that are horrible with people, and it just doesn't work out. And you, you just kind of have, have to. to be a yeah, I mean, you just kind of have, like everybody says, the gift of gab, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you just got to punt and see what happens. You got to be able to share stories, I assume, to keep them entertained. Oh, yeah. Like, so. Oh, yeah. You've got to be an even, you got to be kind of an even kill kind of mm -hmm. person. I mean, you know, you see some that are like just dictators almost on the boat. It's their way or no way. And then you see some that just let whatever go, go. And, you know, if they don't have the skill level, then they don't help them. And it just ends up to being a terrible day because it's, they started out or ended up the way they started out, just not knowing mm -hmm. what, would it take, what would it take to catch those fish today, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. when it could be just a simple thing is you need to cast 10 yards further or mm -hmm. hold your rod a different way or something like that. And mm -hmm. yeah, foot I mean, to the left. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To the right. And not all that, just, just your attitude towards that. You know, there's, there's ways to tell people what they're doing exactly. to where it's not exactly. offensive or... Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like casting for people. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, we, it's a lot of guys we get. And, you know, sometimes you have to cast for them, and they kind of feel like you're taking their man card away. Yeah. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta like kind of make it into a little. Let me just try this for good luck, and let me cast it for you one mm -hmm. time. You know, or something. You gotta make it to where, yeah, not, you gotta, you're not casting. Yeah, you gotta do it to where you kind of, you're not taking their man card away. And then sure enough, they'll catch one. And then I'm like, well, hey, that, that worked out great. Let me try that again for you. And you know, then next thing you know, then it's nobody cares anymore. Just keep casting because they're catching them. So, but it's a delicate deal. We all we're, we're we wear all those hats, and probably on a daily basis, you know, trying to read your customers and, and their ability levels, and, and like Steve said, their personality levels too, so you know when to interject and when mm -hmm. not to, and what level of interjection do you want to uh, converse with them. And uh, but and then the, as far as the resources go, a lot of that starts from 
catching fish, or, or what is that? What, how big does it have to be? What's mm -hmm. the slot limit mm -hmm. in? And you know, those kinds of things. And, and it's the how, when, where, you know, questions that you get. And for me, those people that are a little bit more open to that and ask questions, it's just that much easier to, mm -hmm. you know, provide that information for them and teach them a little bit about where we're fishing, why we're fishing that particular area, that time of the year, what we're looking for, and those kinds of things. I think one of the funniest things that that uh, people think we are uh, ordained meteorologists. <laughs> well, we are. <laughs> and it's tough, you know. Trying, well, we might be able to go. I'm not yeah. sure. You know that type yep. of deal. And, and uh, we get a big kick out of that and stuff all the time. But, yeah, you're a little bit of everything. But you're, you're a teacher. You're a facilitator. You're trying to enhance their whole experience. And our goal every day is obviously to catch fish, have, have them have a great experience, and come back to see us again. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's our number one goal. No yeah. doubt about it. And, um, and it's, it's not all about catch them, come back in type deal. We really want to showcase what we have to offer. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's, it's a pretty neat deal. And get more and more people involved and cooked on it. It's, it's kind of a cool thing. So what's your ideal, what's your ideal client? Um, Wade, catch and release, artificial. Oh, yeah. You got <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're just, that's like fishing with buddies then. Yeah, that's right. all it is. <laughs> you know, and you're just driving the boat. And I always joke about that because, you know, we'll get those customers time and time. And, and all you got to do is get them close. I mean, they have the means, they have the ability, they have experience. You get them close to the fish, and they're going to find them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And as opposed to me walking and finding, or, you know, for example, a weight fish trip or something like that. Uh, that's, yeah, those are the, the ideal ones. But, but at the same time, there, there's a great reward to get people to catch fish that are very, uh, very much a novice at it. And to see them go from when they first stepped on your boat to where they ended up at the end of the day and, and having a positive experience and caught mm -hmm. fish and, and actually did it right and didn't break any mm -hmm. equipment and <laughs> kinds of things. That's a big step for some people, yeah. so that's, that's a character boarding. So, yeah, yeah exactly. that's what I was, I was going to say. I prefer to have people that probably never fished before. Like, like yeah, because then you can do what you know you need to do to get them to catch fish, and there's no, well, we want to yeah. fish like this, mm -hmm. and well, that's not really working, you know, we need to do it, you know. I'd rather have not know anything, so I can just go do what we need to do <laughs> to make it happen, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I guess the fire is like, well, we fished so and so the other day, we caught them over here, why yeah. over there? Like, exactly. Because I'm driving a boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know where that is. That's, that's, one of the, that's one of the top things you don't want to tell a guide, where you're going to go fish. Or, uh -huh. Yeah. You get a lot of the ones, too. Yeah. They, they come down here maybe twice a year, once a year. Well, two years ago, we caught them yeah. over there. Yeah. And it was, you know, this time, it was, it's summertime. When they were here last, it was, it was January. January. Exactly. Yeah, yeah January. That's <laughs> just the whole yeah. game. Of course, now you had a hurricane, and well, you were waiting knee-deep waters now over your head, so There's a few we're not going to go there. Yeah. There's a few spots like that. So if y'all had any advice for young folks coming up that want to be guides, what are a couple things you tell them? <laughs> Better have extreme patience and dedication. Because, I mean, doing this job, I mean, we're all running. I mean, majority of the year, we're running 20-plus, you know, trips a month, easy. And I don't know how Harold does it, you know, being that his family, wife and stuff is in Yorktown. And I don't know how you do it, man. And my hat's <laughs> off to you. I don't know how y'all can pull that off, but you do. But you don't have time to do anything. I mean, you're going to miss weddings. You're going to miss funerals. You're going to miss birthdays. You're going to miss anniversaries. I mean, holidays even. I mean, you're going to miss these things. Yeah. So just know that it's, you can't just take off whenever you want. I mean, I guess in theory you can take off whenever you want, but as soon as you start taking a bunch of days off, well, then now trips start canceling, and well, the next thing you know, your whole month's shot. You know, So you kind of have to just get it while it's there. You know, you can't really pick and choose when you want to work. I mean, if there's a trip, you better take it. And your day starts at three? We'll say summertime. I mean, on a weekend, we'll get up at 2.30 in the morning. 
Because, I mean, when we're using croaker, we, we don't just go scoop up a bunch of croaker and throw them in a bucket. I mean, yeah. we hand pick every single croaker. <laughs> yeah. So on the weekend, we get up 2.30, and then, like, on Monday or Tuesday, it's nice because we get to sleep till 3 because you don't have to beat the crowd. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's – and then you're going to bed early. I mean, yeah. you know, 6.30, 7 o'clock. I mean, I'm trying to be in bed. That would be great. Yeah, it's a little different. He has kids. I see little kids. Two, I mean, two little ones. He don't have that luxury anymore. How old are your kids? They're three and one. Oh yeah. You oh, know, so I get home and mom's ready to go. Here. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The handoff. That's a <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how. I just don't know how y'all. I don't see how y'all can do that with kids, uh, and I don't see how you can do this job I as do. much as y'all do. You know, with kids. You just I don't figure know how you it out. Yeah, you know, you figure it out. And That's a lot of work. It was. It, it is. It is it's a lot of work. Well, it'll get better, but not really. When I get to sports, it's gonna be. Yeah, just about yeah, it's like Cody and his yeah. kids and sports. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know how y'all do it. <laughs> yeah, but as you were saying, to tell somebody, whether they're young or not, that's wanting to get into it, just like he said, you better be dedicated. And, I mean, I, I, mean, I wouldn't discourage them from no. doing it. It's just, I don't know. Uh, you know, if it's somebody that, you know, and most of us, you know, fell in love with the fishing first, you know, and if it's, if it, you think you're doing it, because you just want to fish all the time, <laughs> that's not the reason, you yeah. know, because you're not going to be fishing most of the time. Nope. Uh, so that's just, I would say that may be the one big thing to think about. <laughs> Do you want to make this, your fun hobby, a job? You know, and, and after, say, a year or two, I was like, well, that was a great idea, but, you know, like I said, it's, it's been great. And yeah, it's like he said, I mean, being a guide, it's not, there's a lot of people that are good fishermen that are guides, you know, in the area, but they're not good guides, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it's not, you're not out there fishing, catching fish. I mean, our job is to get the client to catch the fish. So that's what you got to do. It's not, you know, I'm going to catch them for them. I mean, there's some guys that do that, and I can't stand it. But, you know, it's it's all about you got to get them to catch fish. You're not going to catch them for them. So. But you here, I'll get any advice? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think one of the things is, is one, you need to follow, follow your passion. But at the same time, especially a younger individual, is that if, Continuing a higher education path, it's not there. Some type of additional education or quality work experience yeah. that you're with people, working with people, and having that kind of background first before you just jump onto a boat mm-hmm. and I'm a fishing guy. Customer service. Exactly, mm-hmm. because that's, that's really what it's about. I mean, the whole world revolves around people buying from people. Yeah. And, and if you don't have some of those work experiences, or that ability to, to talk to people at at or near the level that they may be at, whether it's it's business or it's education. We're trying to talk about politics, obviously. Um, <laughs> but they'll carry on conversation with them and actually be able to um, add add to what they already know or, or or like to talk to you about. I think it's really really important. We we've seen and I've seen it is some younger guys come in and like Jason talked about, you know, they they can catch fish themselves and, and that type of deal. But there's so much more to it. And uh, just to have a little bit of a good educational work background. And the education part, that's just meaning showing that you have a discipline to complete a task. That's basically what that means. And so <clears throat> you've got to be dedicated enough in order to do that. So along those same lines that Steve talked about. So I just think those areas are, are real critical um, in order to be successful, yeah, really, to make a good go that's at a it. Good, that's mm-hmm. excellent. I like that. Because you're on a 25-foot area with these people right. all day long. <laughs> you don't get an hour lunch break. You don't get 15 minutes. No, I mean, you're there all day. So like he said, you better know how to talk to people. Yeah. So that was a really good point. I'm going to throw a little point out there if I can. Just, you know, I've heard Jason say it multiple times. Well, all of y'all said it, you know, about, you know, it's a long day taking care of yourself. And something I've seen in the industry, uh, you know, especially with y'all. I mean, y'all are, 
this is obviously upper end lodge, but you know, you got fresh clients coming in every night, and I think you get some of these smaller lodges and stuff, and clients come in, they're ready to hee haw, and sometimes those guys feel like they got to sit there and hee haw with them as well, and you know, what I said, that's that's a road to to early death, early burnout. And <laughs> yeah, I agree. I've seen it in young guys, I've seen it in older guys, and and it's if you can't separate that, you can't separate that business and you've got to take care of yourself and obviously mm-hmm. chase them you got two young kids out and that's obviously you got to your business is first but you got to put that family first and, and take care of those kids mm-hmm. and uh i think some of them learn it but maybe learn it a little bit too late mm-hmm. yeah. but uh you know i think the long-term successful guys those are the ones that are able to separate mm-hmm. that well, like i said let them run about 25 days in a row and that party all night and wake up and fish will stop pretty quick yeah, yeah. But, yeah, you can't do that <laughs> at all. Harold's looking at me. He probably knows some of the ones I'm thinking about. Yeah, it's possible. But, but yeah, you've got to build it all that line real quick. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, again, it goes back to your, your whole job is to make sure they have a good experience. Exactly. Exactly. That doesn't have anything to do with, you know, how they have to move them the night before. Yeah. You know, if you're so burned out, there's nobody giving that good yeah, exactly. damn on the water. Exactly. So. Yeah. exactly. That's, not what, that's not what I'm there for. Y'all see any value to, um, um, like I said, guide certification process? I know Parks and Wildlife kicked this idea around. Chris might remember this, but they kicked this idea around maybe like 10 years ago. Um, but it never went anywhere. But the, the, I think the idea was um, like an online course that aspiring guides would take where they learned about the resource and learned about, um, of course, the um, bag limits, slot limits, and all that stuff. But it taught them more about you know, the resource that they're fishing in. Do y'all, if that ever gained any traction, do y'all see any value to that for guides that are coming into the business so they could talk to their clients about, um, you know, behaviors of fish and spawning of fish and how, you know, uh, how, you know, fishing is important to, from a recreational economic value, important to the, to the community. I mean, all that stuff would be kind of rolled into this certification group. Would y'all be behind something like that if that ever happened? I mean, in theory, it's a good idea, but I think if you were at the point where you decide you want to be a guide, you would probably know most of that anyway at that point. And if you didn't know all that or have much idea about it, you probably won't last very long yeah. being a guide anyway. So Great point. And I don't know what started that conversation, but I just remembered it was being kicked around, and maybe that's where it ended up. It was like, well, you guys I mean, if anything, they should have a boating etiquette class for everyone, oh, <laughs> if oh, anything. Okay. About the... <laughs> How about boat ramp parking? Yeah, yeah, just all of that, if anything. Let's do that first, and then we can go from there. Something brought that up, that brings up another. We get run over all the time. So do you, do you think people, like, oh, I know that's a guy. No. I don't care what, you know. No. 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 It's just, you, you just, we watch it change. You just watch it change over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, when we first started guiding, it was handheld GPSs. There were no GPSs. Mm-hmm. There was a compass heading. If you right. know. Everyone's got a GPS on the boat. Someone's got their head down, following a trail they took before they know it's safe or they're just you know there's a lot more shallow running boats mm-hmm. a lot more faster boats and they're going to get from point a to point b as quick as they can and uh, and just the the amount of people that are on the water especially the weekends you know we see the changes over the years i think that's got a lot a lot to do with it they're not i just i always look at okay they're not purposely doing that right mm-hmm. they just don't know the proper way to go around someone's fishing mm-hmm. Or how you know the, the etiquette of it, and there's there is no book on this. You know, we just yeah. all learned how we'd like to be treated, and you would hope those around you would treat you the same. But uh, I wish there was more to that. Yeah, yeah. Go to buy a boat at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just take some sort of class, like. Handbook <laughs> I mean, or guidelines. 
as far as that goes. Well, you got to have a driver's license to drive a car. And yeah, you now we got folks that are running 60, 70, maybe 80 miles an hour. And, mm-hmm. and the like, here's your keys, take off. You know? And all, <laughs> all them tournament guys. I was a driver. <laughs> <laughs> I was a But yeah, it's like he said. No, but I don't think anybody does it intentionally. A lot of times they're just not paying attention. They're not thinking ahead, you know. Okay, well, there's a boat up there. The wind's blowing this way, so they got to be fishing that way. They just and like I said, I think most of the time they have a trail on their GPS. And you're, you're on that. They're going to follow that line because <laughs> that's all there is to it. They don't know. They mm-hmm. not know the waters that well. And yeah. Safe for them. They took that route. Someone showed them next day. You know, navigated for them, standing next to them one time or yeah. something, and that's that's the way they go. So it's more of the weekend warrior crowd. You would. Yeah, I hate labeling people. Yeah, like exactly. I mean, they're 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 out there fishing just like we are, mm-hmm. yep. you know, and enjoying the resource. Um, I just wish they would get to and from that resource yeah. in a more uh, quieter or a more appreciative way of other people around them. Yeah. And that's tough. I mean, I know it's tough, but uh, yeah. and it, the one thing you never want to do is don't holler at them, don't throw oh, yeah, hands no, up at them, no. anything like that. Just <coughs> just move on. Just I mean, shake that, your head and move on. Exactly. That shuts your bike down right there or something like that happens, just take the high road, move on, and mm-hmm. find them somewhere else. Because, yeah. again, that's... Because we're in front of our customers the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. Certainly, yeah. You, you want to say, well, that's not. And they, they can see your facial expression. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They look at you. They look oh, at you. Yeah. They look they at you like, is that normal? Yeah. So, Are you going to do something about this? Yeah, that's a little close. Or, yeah, some will be like, they probably weren't supposed to do that. Right <laughs> no, that's not, not really. But yeah, yelling at them and doing all that it doesn't help at all. And you, like I said, it just makes you look like a jerk in front of people, too. So just just forget it and move on because it's going to happen at least two or three times a week every week. So yeah. you get used to it after a while. You're just like, okay, well, let's go somewhere else. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's amazing the number of people on the water. You know, I guess I started fishing Rockport area in 1990, and shoot, all the guys piled up in the flats, and we'd run across at St. Joe or run all the way up to San Tom Bay, and it's like, man, we go San Tom Bay, we're not gonna see anybody here. It's more to worry about. It's more to worry about breaking down and being able to get back than worrying about somebody running over you. And it's so different now, and I think that's part of. Part of that too is advances in technology, how it's changed to fishing. I mean, like Harold said, you know, used to run off compass headings and a timer, or mm-hmm. you, you know, you just had your landmarks or whatever. It's just technology makes it so easy. Mm-hmm. We've been working a lot on uh, on oyster management and you know trying to protect their oyster resources. And I know San Antonio Bay is, has been oystered pretty heavily the last few years uh, since Hurricane Ike. And, uh, I think it opened up a few weeks ago. Um, so let me ask this. Have you all seen, because I know you have drift reefs, have you all seen the, the fishery change at all since uh, oyster boats have come in here pretty heavily? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they've about carried a few reefs completely off. And I mean, there's reefs that are dead, and like Josephine's and all that. That's all. There's nothing there anymore. I mean, it's a delicate question to has answer. It, has it impacted, well, let me ask this. Has it impacted your ability to catch fish on those reefs that have been fished? Well, the, some, I yeah, I mean, some are gone. Some are just gone. You just don't even go there anymore. Yeah, it's nothing but it. And no shell left at all. I know. Yeah, no. I mean, just a little bit of dead crunchiness yeah, yeah, in the bottom. Are, that's these it. are, you know, we're talking about some smaller little pads that, you know, off the beaten path yeah. that we may know about or just like you may know and you back, go back there and yeah. power pulls down or you're tr- trying to find it. There's nothing, nothing there. there. So you go, well, I guess I'm not going to catch them there anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I don't know, but, you know, we see it. We're at the first chain of islands. <laughs> Because that's where the two bays meet, and San Antonio Bay is not open, but Espirito is, and so there, there's time. There's 75 to 100 boats in there. 
each year. And I, me personally, I'd like to know more about it because I don't know how that reef complex is holding up with that much pressure from the oyster boats over the years. Well, South Pass Lake, it took an absolute oh, yeah. beat down right here. This well, year. what happens, I, talk, I spoke to a game warden about it, and he said that a lot of them are keeping a lot of undersized oysters, and they said, we just write the tickets, and then the companies just pay the tickets, and they just keep doing it over and over and over again. But, yeah, I don't know how there's anything left out there at all. Well, now those guys get a fine, a Class B fine. Okay. So they See, I didn't know that. Fine, so yeah. to, to stop that undersized yeah. nonsense. I mean, it'd be yeah. great to see them to stop oystering for, you know, two or three years, let it all come back. But, I mean, I understand, too, they got to make money also. Yeah. So it's kind of, what do you do? Yeah, Buckland Wildlife has criteria where, they're, you know, they, they go in, if they close one down, then they, they look at the, the rebuilding of the reef, and it has to meet certain thresholds before they'll open it again. Uh, but the problem is, one of the problems is, is reefs are totally gone where they can get mm -hmm. the bay closed and once that reef's gone it's you're not you don't have anything to rebuild on mm -hmm. so it's it's a difficult fishery to manage i think they had some guys coming out of espiritu santo and going into like well, i'm just going to go over here to san antonio bay and get my oysters and then come back in mm -hmm. so they were skirting over and oh they were I, I saw them i saw them when they started to skirt yeah. and then like the next day or two they were all they were back back over the other way because yeah. when i got in the game yeah, they busted a few oh yeah i'm mm -hmm. sure they did yeah. I, I saw him. I was like, wait a second, where are y'all? 600 yards over now. Mm -hmm. I go, I, no one else was there before. You know, they would go. Or, <clears throat> and this happened even uh, during duck season, and I'm running, <laughs> I'm running the airboat. I'm going, and, and I'm coming uh, right around the steamboat there, and about 100 yards in front of me, oyster boat cuts his nav lights on. I mean, he's out so early to get his. I mean, he's running total darkness. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I think they busted a couple. Yeah, they can't oyster until they yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So that was earlier in the morning. So. Yeah. I was, I was curious about y'all's uh, take on that and what y'all seen, your observations. I just said they got to make money too. So, I mean, I don't want to sit here and say they just need to do away with it. But there's got to be some kind of balance. Yeah. Sure. I don't know how there's, like they were saying, I don't know how there's anything left because they've been going on it since the first of November. Mm -hmm. I mean, and they're still. There's got to be 50 to 75 still on that first chain, and they're mm -hmm. in the same areas. I mean, it's just wow. – I, I, I don't know yeah, if they're pulling up off the bottom. I mean, the shell's still there, but – How there's any good oysters or yeah, anything I left, don't, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't either. <laughs> I'm surprised it's still there. <laughs> well, I heard it was something yeah. about – what, didn't they lower the bag limit to like 30 or 30, something? Yeah. So maybe that's why they've been able to stay out there longer because they don't have to have as much per day. I don't know. That's kind of what I was thinking, but – but they gotta do what they gotta do, and you, you guys have any cool stories to share? <sighs> None that I can share, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, no, if this is going on in public, you don't want me to you share. You gotta tell the one about the drift fishing, though. Oh yeah, we were going. Yeah, that was a good one. That's one of the funniest. We were going to a spot, and we've been catching trout on it, drift fishing. And I was on my way there. Like I said, you don't know who you have. You don't know if they can cast. You don't know what they can do. So, you know, on the way there, I asked the guy next to me, I go, hey, have you ever drift fished before? He goes, no, how many of those can you have? I was like, hmm. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, well, let me make a, let me just make a stop with an an you know, anchor stop and let's see what y'all can do, you know, kind of deal. And then it turned out they could actually fish. So. <laughs> that kind of, that, was, that was one of the funniest yeah, that, that things was a good I've ever heard when he said that. That was a good one. <laughs> I don't know. Some what of else has happened though? Like the ones I think about are just the kind of the weather-related type mm -hmm. <clears throat> stories as far as having to be a storm or getting caught into something. And that reminds me. I don't know, a couple of years ago, we were, I had two guys duck hunting, and we were on way south, like south of Panther and on that shoreline down there, and this front hits, I think, a little earlier than what they were calling for, and, you know, at 8.30, 9 o'clock when it was supposed to be there at noon or something. And, 
you know, we pack up and it's early in the season, so we had a real high tide already, and it was just, you know, normally on a normal tide or something, lower tide, we have some areas to get away from that, the biggest waves, and I swear there was four footers on that south shoreline, <laughs> and I had a long ways to go, <laughs> and it was raining sideways, blowing 30, 40, or whatever it was, and that's the first time I ever, like, basically ditched the boat as far as, like, put it on an island just to wait a little bit, and yeah. I, these two guys weren't dressed for it, they were, had you know, the waders on and maybe a, a light jacket. And I had, you know, good stuff on. I was dry and we were sitting there after I kind of banked it and we just turned away from the rain and I just looked at the back of their necks and it was like turning purple and they're sitting there shivering. I was like, all right, we got to go. I got to get y'all back, you know, and just any stuff like that. And then, you know, we, we used to fish the surf a little more than we do now, but, you know, getting caught out there on a squall and having to run from 15 miles down the beach back to Pascavio and there's, the lightnings in front of you, between you and the pass. <laughs> and mm -hmm. It's just some of the days you just go, why, why did I do that? <laughs> you know, for a fish or for a duck. And but that's that's just part of yeah. the thing. And sometimes, even though you kind of you know what's maybe going to happen, you have that you have the information that the weather's coming, but you're always kind of pushing, mm -hmm. you know, to get the to get the job done or whatever. And you just get hung up in it sometimes. Well, it never fails. As soon as you make a weather call one way, it's going to do the exact mm -hmm. opposite every time. <laughs> And that just yeah. goes to show. Kind of my same story, getting caught. Got caught a couple of times, but this is early on prior to, you know, having radar on your on your phone and everything. <laughs> Speak, showing my age a little bit. <laughs> I, had a, I, had a, I had a good plan, though. I had a phone. You know, waiters were waiting, and Chris was going to let me know when that front was going to get here so that I could make it back. We're just going to turn it into a half-day trip. And it's, you know, springtime, late front, you know, the bad ones, overcast day, and I'm sitting in Conti Lake waiting. And, uh, and notice calmed up a little bit, and the wind started to turn to the west. Son of a gun. I got in the boat, started picking people up, and about the time I get the last guy I picked up, phone rings, Chris calls me. Hey, what do you do? Don't try to make it. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> be blowing 50. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, same thing. Oh, man. Put the bow of the boat up into the, into the uh, mangroves and rode that one out. and. Uh, Whew, that was rough coming in, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah my uh, my sidekick over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah. We're back at the lodge, but don't try to make. Oh, it. I just I just came out of the office. It was kind of breezy outside. You're trying to you're trying to get folks out. And you're trying to use your best judgment. Mm -hmm. You know, they were probably I, biting good too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I picked that guy. He goes, "Look what I got." I go, "That's great. Get in the boat." <laughs> <laughs> we got to get out of here. Yeah. That's just when the bite is just really good too. Oh, right? we're catching them. Yeah. Uh -huh. John, you got any? No. It uh, kind of got spread of experience here, and that's kind of neat to see. And starting to see a younger group of guys come mm -hmm. up as well. We're starting to see pop up and. Uh, I like to think some of these younger guys are, you know, I know a lot of the older guys, you know, we all come up and we've gone through all the phases and graduate to a more and more conservative state of mind, I guess, in regards to the fishery. And I think, you know, you see some of these younger guys, and I think some of them are already, they're, they're coming up with that, and I think that's a reflection of, I'm going to say those older guys, teaching those guys that as they progress through it. So, you know, bottom line, like we all say, you know, there's more and more people and you you look at the boat market and you see all these new boats constantly pouring out and well, where are all those old boats going you know somebody's buying those old boats as well and 
we you know we got to continue educating you know not only our generations and you know Jason and Steve's generations but the younger generations keep educating them to that's you know we got a pretty good fishery here let's you know let's take care of it and and be conservative with it and continue to work that way and the fishery will be there for you know many years to come I think if, mm -hmm. if we take care of it we've got to take care of it and, uh, I guess my last thing I would ask you know how do y'all see the fishery around here in the last three years I know at Rockport I feel like it's been last, I'll just say last year for me personally I think a lot of people I know it was off the charts I mean and I know different parts of the coast maybe not so but our fishery right here seems to be it in a pretty good shape last well, year was good I mean good. like the last what not counting last year this mm -hmm. couple of years before that we'd hit like mid-June late June and all the way through almost October you couldn't hardly even catch a trout anymore yeah, we and had one bad spell. Yeah, yeah, and a couple years, two, three. Years, yeah, it's like two, three, three years, and, and then. Uh, but other than that, it's it's. I don't know if it was, it was probably part of Cedar Bayou. I imagine helped, and then I guess maybe the hurricane helped keeping the yeah, fish going yeah, through the summer. Yeah, 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 yeah I, think, I think that's yeah, I think exactly. I think you're rain. you're yeah, spot on there. Yeah, yeah. we've had a lot of timely rain, a lot of good yeah. rain, and. No, it's yeah, a lot we're better. probably not seeing as much water come down that Guadalupe as we still want to see come down it, but we have had a lot of rain the last three years or so. Yeah, as long as we don't see a river out here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We saw that for a couple of years oh, ago. Yeah. Yeah. It made it good, though, for a little <laughs> bit until we got them all out of those little areas of salt water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> it was easy pickings in. But I think it's a lot better now than it's starting to go back the other way where it's getting better and better. Because, I mean, it stayed strong all through the summer. And mm -hmm. the last couple summers, it was, woof. <laughs> yeah. It was like, uh-oh. You know, you had five trials. You're like, woof, we hit it out of the park today. We got five. You know? There were some days like that. I think some of it's, I think some of it's cyclical, you know. And I think the limit change, too, helps. That helps, too. Well, because you'd have one spot where you're catching trout. And, you know, before you had to catch 40 trout, so it wouldn't last as long. But now you can get more time out of a spot before they're all yeah. eradicated from the area. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys... How many how many days do y'all spend uh, duck hunting as opposed to as opposed to fishing? I mean, during duck season, is it you're doing mostly I think dual for, dual trip casting blasts, or is it uh, the last couple of years in November we've probably fished. I know I fish mostly, but we're probably ninety more ninety percent of the time, you know, and had maybe four or five duck hunts in November. I mean, I'm uh, the same too now. Yeah. we're fishing more in, in uh, November than we have in the past, and really just picking up the duck hunting on the second half. Yeah, which. Typically, over the last several years, that's shown us that's been better anyway. So, well, and the fishing, the fishing too. I mean, because like I said, I quit duck hunting for various reasons, but I mean, we're fishing more in January and February now than we used to. Cause, I mean, I've I fished quite a bit in January alone. So, y'all see fewer birds this year? I'd heard from someone that's not as many birds. There wasn't as many. No, it was off. Last year was really good, good numbers and stuff, consistent numbers and variety, and and not not as many this year. Not sure where they settled in on the coast or. Or above us. Yeah. Sure, but I'm not sure if they got pushed further for with our actual yeah, winter we had this year cold. and or, or what. I mean <laughs> Yeah, they kept <laughs> going. Well it was the end of December and we had that one real bad cold snap and then after that it seemed like the ducks just weren't quite as good and everybody was telling me I know a guy in Mansfield and he said it was like mosquitoes down there. Yeah. yeah. So I think that actually getting a winter pushed them all further down. Well I don't have any final thoughts. Do you think you guys anything you want? Leave, leave the listeners with any words of advice uh, you think wrap it up I'll say appreciate y'all coming out yeah I mean, talking to us and what you're doing and yeah, I'd encourage people to take care of the what they're doing out there just watch out for other people watch and, out for other people yeah, yeah. 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 whether it's a guy or whether it's just somebody else just, yeah. just be aware of where you're at and fellow anglers fellow yeah, anglers yeah exactly well let me ask let me ask this um 
I hope Chris doesn't mind. If he does, I'll do some fancy editing. <laughs> what are the benefits of working uh, for Bayflex Lodge as, as opposed to being out as an independent? No, oh, that's easy. That's easy. That's really easy. <laughs> yeah. When you can pull up your phone and look all the way through June and go, oh, wow, I've got uh, 15 days off between now and June, you can't find that kind of security and guiding anywhere but here. You're not going to find that anywhere. And a lot of people like to say, oh, yeah, we all run for less money than what you would make on your own, but who cares? I mean, you're still running so many trips that you're going to, you couldn't, there's no way you could fish as much on your own. I mean, there's a select few in the area that have been established, have been around that can do it, but overall, you're not going to find job security and guiding anywhere like you will here. Um, I mean, hands down. I think there's just, there's just a lot to be said for, like, when you get off the water and done for the day that you're not, having to go home and say, oh, I've got to return all these phone calls and talk mm -hmm. to all these folks about booking a trip, mm -hmm. you know, if that's taken care of. And, uh, all, you know, we always say, I mean, we really just have to concentrate on the fishing. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. Yeah. You get to wake up and do your job, and that's, that's yeah. what's left for us to do, yeah. you know. Well, that gives you somebody in your case. That gives you that yeah. opportunity to spend sure. that time. Yeah, when I get home, I'm not distracted. Yeah, yeah right. I can say, yeah, let me have the kids. You know, yeah. I can handle them for a little while. I have to be on the phone, you know. And it's that's to me, is the... I guess the most beneficial mm -hmm. thing of working through a lodge and working you're able here. you're able to balance everything in your life a yeah. lot easier yeah, exactly. you know, mm -hmm. having the, that extra time and you know, I'm the same way the security of knowing what your schedule is ahead of time and yeah, it is oh, it's wonderful and then if you see it you're that busy and you need some days off mm -hmm. it's, it's obviously you can do that on your own when you know you have X amount already mm -hmm. on books, you know, it's like, okay, I, I've, got a, I've got a hole here and there. I'm going to take those days off and go some time. It makes it a little bit easier to do that. I'm sure if yeah. any of us looked at our October schedule right now, there's probably at least 20 days <laughs> oh, yeah, easily. in October. Well, it's like next, like he was saying about having a hole and being able to take days off because next month I think I have three days off. So if I wanted to take a day off, I'm take one of those three and I'm not worried about it because, yeah. I mean, I got plenty to plenty of trips so the nice thing is, you can't find that anywhere else but here Chris provide for us is you know there's there's ice all the drinks we need lunches mm -hmm. are all made for us I mean yes we, we prep the boats as far as equipment and all those kinds of things and fuel and get all those kinds of and then it's coming up here and all those things are there that's another thing yeah. another expense you don't have to mm -hmm. yeah. or spend the extra time doing that and it's all provided yeah. y'all still run to go get to go get before you get right. Yeah, we're doing that in the mornings. Yeah, we're still yeah. doing that. But we're not pulling boats anymore like we used yeah. to. So it's yeah. that's like it's we got it easy here. Yeah. <laughs> Good. There's no doubt about that. We do our part. He does his part, and it all works out. Awesome. Well, thanks again, guys. We man, this is great. I think uh, y'all shared some really cool information with people that might want to pick this up as a career. Appreciate your time for sure. Thank you. So, no problem. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening.